Amen. Welcome everyone today. If you're a guest with us, we're so glad you're here this morning. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Sister Mary Knotts, it's good to have you back. It's been a while. <laughs> Sister Knotts has been was taking care of her father, so she hasn't been able to be with us, but it's good to have her back. Praise God. Amen. You can be seated this morning. The Lord is good. Amen. Amen. And the great thing about Jesus is He's good even when you don't think He's good. Amen. There's a lot of times I didn't think He was good until I got through it and looked back and realized, boy, He was good. I know, every, I know my kids, I, we, my, my children, I know they don't think I'm a good parent sometimes. Because as a parent, I don't always get... They got this new deal for some reason. I don't know. I never tasted Maybe you know what it is. They got this thing at Taco Bell called a Baja Blast Freeze. It's like jet fuel to my son. He gets a Baja Blast Freeze and the kid can't, he loses his mind. He likes, I've never had one, maybe you've had a Baja Blast Freeze and you enjoy it. But I tell you what, to Noah Joe Wright, a Baja Blast Freeze is liquid jet fuel straight to the veins. I mean, just spinning in the corner, twirling, seeing lights. <laughs> <laughs> flashes. And so the other day he had a click. He just got on this kick. For some reason, I guess he wanted a Baja Blast freeze. It happened to be about 7 o'clock at night. And as parents, bedtime is the finish line. And so bedtime was around the corner, so he wanted the Baja Blast freeze, and this was a no. And so he did not understand how not having a Baja Blast freeze at 7 o'clock at night was not a good thing. And we had this back and forth nuclear meltdown over the fact that it wasn't. And he negotiated, if you didn't get that, how about a root beer? And then the root beer didn't work out. How about Sierra Mist? And it was just a whole list of negotiation. And finally, we settled on good old-fashioned H2O. Praise God. Water and a little melatonin can make a good night's sleep. Hallelujah. So, I guarantee you, at that point in time, he did not feel like I was a good parent because I did not give him his Baja Blast freeze, even though that's what he wanted. And I know... He didn't think I was a good parent. But I was a great parent. I saved the world. And myself and my wife. <laughs> and you know what? I think sometimes we're like that with Jesus. Give us a Baja Blast Freeze and he knows you need some water. Because you know what? God's more interested in feeding your spirit than he is feeding your flesh. And so when I say God is good... In our flesh, we don't understand the goodness of God. But thankfully today, He doesn't just appease our flesh, but He ministers to our spirit. Praise God. Amen. That was a three-minute sermon. 
We can dismiss and go home now. Very famous passage of Scripture. I'll read it just so you know that I'm not making it up in case you've never read it before. Hebrews chapter 11 verse number 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That little small verse, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 words. That 15 word verse, 15 word sentence has within it the power to unlock everything. The problem though is, is there something about that verse at the end there that's very unique. It says faith is the substance of things hoped for. I think we can sort of see that. But then it goes further and says the evidence of things not seen. really speaks to something unique here because it really tells me that my faith has eyes. And the question today is, whose eyes are you looking through? You see, the problem is, our eyes, even though they are the most... uh, 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 stimulating, probably, of all the senses we use to gather information that our eyes are probably the most stimulating. Uh, we have ear, we have hearing, we have taste, we have touch, uh, we have, we have, all, we have uh, smell. Uh, even though, though each one of those has a unique power. I've, I heard someone say, I don't know if this is true or not, but something about the, 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 the power of smell and the memory that, that it creates. But, but, but sight has this, Overly stimulating visual ability to stimulate us like nothing else is there. There's just when you when you're able to to uh, to to mix a de- the beauty and see things with your eyes. But the problem is, our eyes play tricks on us. That's the whole premise of magic. I know I've used this before, but magic tricks are built on the idea that you can trick the eye and the mind. We all know that there's actually not a real rabbit coming out of an empty hat, but our eyes say that hat was empty. Even though we all know somehow that rabbit had to be in that hat, we just don't know how it worked, but our eyes say that the eye that the hat was empty. And so they use that to play tricks. I've used this before, and I say it again, uh, to do it again, but uh, I, 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 I'm one of those weird people. Some of you do, some of you don't. I guess it's a preference. I happen to like magic tricks. I like them. I, I, I like to go on YouTube and look up magic tricks and, and then all stuff. But the thing about magic tricks that's so frustrating is, is that you can see a trick that absolutely just blows your mind and you think that is just absolutely amazing and then they show you how it's done and you feel like you're just absolutely, how did I miss that? That this, this trick that absolutely just defies logic when they show you how it's done, you go, that was so simple. This is a side note. But I believe the devil's probably the greatest magician there is. Because he can make things appear like one thing, but when you realize, when you peel back the layer of the trick, eh, it's not so great. But our eyes are built to play tricks on us. And, 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 and because of that, we are trained to see and believe. We're, only, we're trained to believe what we can see. 
We, we say that. Well, you know, what about such and such? And some will say, well, show me. Show me. I, I won't just believe it because you tell me. I'll believe it if I can see it. So it says, uh, I'll give you this. Well, fine, I'll believe it when I... Show it to me. I, I, I know what you're saying, but, but until I can see it, I can't believe it. And somehow we believe if we can see it, that makes it real. See what I mean? So you say, I'll believe it when I see it. But that really makes it, if I can see it, I, I, therefore I believe it. It's true. And we know not everything we see is true. But we live in this world that we will believe it when we see it. We had this whole deal with, with after the, the, the resurrection of Jesus when, when, when we have the disciples wrestling with their faith and, and Thomas was one that wrestled with it and, and, and he, he made the statement, you know what, I, 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 I'm not gonna take your word for it, I've gotta see it. And Jesus comes back later and says, blessed are they who can believe before they can see. But we have this idea, and the problem is, we take that mentality, and because that's the mentality we live by, and so we take that mentality into this spiritual sphere that we abide in. And because of that, we hear God say something, we hear the Word of God say something, or the promises of God say something, and without realizing it subconsciously, our reaction is, I'll believe it when I see it. God's a healer. Okay but I'll believe it when I can see it. God's a deliverer. Okay, I'll believe it when I see it. And really what I found that most of us really don't have faith, we really just have sort of wish. It's not true faith. Because faith, and I'm dealing with this in some things in my own life, and a lot of you are dealing with this in your own lives, and, and so I'm, I'm no way I'm an expert in this, and I don't come to you today as an expert. I come to you today as really just a student learning walking this journey with you. And so I say these things not because I have some kind of great insight on faith. God is showing me some things in this journey. But, but there's something to be said with faith when you're finally able to see through the eyes of faith. And the problem is you have to make a choice. We, we are so addicted to this, and I've said this before, and, and, and i got to preface again. I'm not trying to just preface everything, but I have to make sure you understand. I'm not saying that feelings are bad. But I said this last year in the series that we did, uh, Anatomy and Disciple, that feelings were never meant to be leaders. We're not meant to be led by our feelings. But because we are so emotional we are, we're such emotional creatures. And even those of us in here that claim not to be emotional, we really are emotional. We're just emotional about being non-emotional. That's really what you are. You're emotional, but you're just not emotional about your emotions, but you still have emotions. <laughs> and so because of that, we're so, we're so, 
We're so ingrained that we have to have emotion attached to faith. And when we don't feel it, we don't believe it. And so we really get mixed up because we really feel like if I don't feel it, I can't believe it. And sometimes God wants us to believe without feeling. And that's the hardest thing to do is to believe when you feel opposite of what you believe. Everybody can believe God's a deliverer when you're standing there with that in just that that jolt of 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 Holy Ghost uh, uh, anointing that comes over you, the fire of God that, that we've all felt, and we can stand there and we come down front and we just you know you can take on the devil with a squirt gun. You're so fired up because you're just fired up about God. We all can say we got faith, but it's a whole nother world when you don't feel that way to have faith. And so because of that, I've watched, I've been there, I've been a part of it. And i got to be honest with you, I think I've fallen victim to it a little bit. In order to get people to believe, we've got to get them emotionally charged. Because if they're not emotionally charged, they can't believe. But the problem is, then we have emotion attached to faith. And so do we really have faith or we just feel good? I'm not trying to say we should be morbid and sit here and hum and Gregorian chant our way to Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. Not saying emotions are bad, but faith does not require you to have emotions. In fact, more than likely, you're going to have to believe something opposite than what you feel. That's true faith. So when the Bible says in Hebrews 11 that it's the evidence of things not seen, if it's the evidence of things I'm not seen, guess what that means? I can't see it with this. It didn't say it's the evidence of things seen. It made very clear to make sure that it understood it's the evidence of things not seen. So you know what? Today, you're going to have to believe it without seeing it. If you go back and you look through this, the Israelites struggled with this really throughout their existence. If you go back and look through the Old Testament, they really struggled with this concept that they really had, not, 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 I'm, very, I'm, I'm really oversimplifying it. There's a lot of layers to this, so I apologize for my oversimplification. But the Israelites really struggled with this concept because they really struggled with seeing where they were going in the eyes of faith because everything in their world was based off where they were and where they'd come from. Time after time, God would send men, send prophecies to Israel to proclaim to them their future because they were so caught up in determining who they were and what they were and what they were going to become because of their current circumstance and where they had come from. And Jesus arrives on the scene And when Jesus arrives on the scene, he quotes again a prophecy in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, has sent me to heal the broken hearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and then the recovering of sight to the blind. If you read through that, that's not just talking about physical blindness. That's talking about a spiritual blindness to recover the sight of the blind. Because that became the minister of Jesus. Who was blind? Who? Not recovering of the sight to those that were lost necessarily, but recovering sight to those that were blind. 
recovering sight, not to give sight to those who had never seen, but to give back sight to those who had seen and had stopped seeing. Exactly. He wasn't trying to bring a new perspective, some people that had never had perspective. He was trying to bring a godly perspective to those who had lost their perspective. And who was he speaking to? The religious, the church folks. Those who are going to church every week, reading the Word of God and reading the promises of God, but not living the promises of God. Reading everything about when Messiah comes and when this happens and when that happens. All of this is going to be taken. And He stands before them and proclaims what's going to happen. And because of their blindness, they still couldn't see. Even though if you asked them, they would say they could see. If you asked them and you pulled them aside and you interviewed them, they could spit it out, man. They could quote it from book to book. They could quote chapter to chapter, verse to verse. They could quote it all. They could give it to you line by line because it was in here. But faith, the eyes of faith do not abide in the mind. The eyes of faith abide in the heart. Because faith becomes the ability for the heart to see. Your natural eyes or your brain's ability to see. We've talked a lot about the heart for the last two years. But the heart has eyes. But those eyes are the eyes of faith. Because you'll find that a lot of times what's going on up in here and what's in here really sometimes are polar opposite. And we've talked about and we've, 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 we've taught and we've preached and we've shared and we've prayed and we've facilitated and we've discussed which side are you going to fall on. And when it comes down to this, if you ask every one of those, and that's why Jesus said to them, you worship me with your hands, but your heart is far from me. He wasn't just simply talking about the hardness of their heart, but he was talking about the blindness of their heart. Because not only was their heart hardened, but their heart was blinded. Because when they, when it was standing and seeing with your eyes, but not seeing with your heart, and they looked, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. And he said, but I'm the resurrection of your life. Which eye are you looking with? Which eye today are you looking at your circumstances with? Which eye are you looking at your life with? I, my wife, I did not share this with my wife. I didn't go over this with my wife. I don't, I don't do that. This, what, what God gives me is private to me because I don't want it to be mixed with a bunch of stuff and I don't want anybody to feel like they gotta jump on. So in, in case you don't know this and just let you know, we don't sit before church, whoever leads worship, my wife or whoever has led worship or will lead worship, we don't sit and coordinate. What are you preaching? Okay, I need to sing this song. You do what God tells you to do and I'll do what God tells me to do and if we're both doing what God tells us to do he can blend it all together so when she gets up here and talks about living victorious and living in this way when you don't feel that way I'm thinking okay thank you Jesus I'm on the right track why? Because today, when we're talking about living victorious, it doesn't mean I feel victorious. It means I'm choosing to look through the eyes of my heart, not through the eyes that are attached to my brain. Because when I look at the eyes there, I look at defeat. I look at depression. I look at oppression. I look at bills stacking up. I look at all this problem after problem. But when I see it through the eyes of faith, that's the problem Jesus faced. He fought with this and fought with this because he, he was trying to get them to see not with their eyes. He was trying to get them to see with their heart and because he said, I'm going to recover sight to those that are blind. He was trying to bring sight back to Israel. He's trying to restore what, was, what, what they lost because you go back and you look at it time and time again. 
problem is, let's bring it home for a moment if we can. Many of you come from many different backgrounds, backgrounds of hurt, backgrounds of abuse, backgrounds of horrible, horrible things. A lot of you were maybe raised in dysfunctional homes. A lot of you, your formative years were full of fear, torment, pain, hurt. Depression. If you hear what the experts say, the experts say that a child's personality is formed in the first five years of their life. They say that that happens in the first five years of life. It's a sobering thing as a parent. I look at a lot of mistakes I made as a parent in the first five years of each one of my children's life and think, God help us, that's not true. The fact of the matter is, is that those years become very informative and they have a major effect on our personality. And so when we get older, we may grow up on the outside, but there's still a little kid inside. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. I'm not here to preach that again. Because of that, some of you leave, live behind the pretense of this walls of protection that you build to keep people from hurting you. You lock others out, but in reality, you lock yourself in. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to say that again. I wrote that down last night. I must, some of you need to hear that. You lock others out, but in reality, you're just locking yourself in. Because of all this, you become a controller. You're a controller. So filled with fear that you can only face life The only way you can face life is to feel that you're in control. And if you're in control, then no one can hurt you. That's what we say. That's the lie we live by. Because of that, most of us know where we've come from. Most of us have an idea where we are, but very few of us have any idea where we're going. Because we think our future is marred by our past. I've heard people say this. And if you haven't said it out loud, a lot of us have had this thought inside to simply how could anyone who has this kind of past I do ever really be right? Listen, my last name is Wright, in case you don't know that, (coughs) W-R-I-G-H-T. But the joke was, you know, when... I would go places and be my brother and I or my father and I or whatever it was. Someone would always crack a joke and says, well, I guess two rights don't make a wrong. I wish somehow that my last name being right made me right. But unfortunately, it doesn't. And you know what the fact of the matter is? Change your last name, do whatever you want. But the problem is, it's the feeling that we have in our lives that... It will never be good enough. I watch this with some of you. I watch with people. I watch people chase this this feeling. They chase life. They're chasing the next thrill. They're chasing the next piece of life. And they're chasing it because they've somehow convinced themselves that the external will make the internal all right. 
I know we talked a lot about it from a religious perspective of how the fact that the internal is really what God cares about more than the external. Not saying the externals be thrown away. I'm just saying that when you stand before the Lord, He's going to rip open your chest and look in your heart long before He looks at what's going on on the outside. And we all say, man, we all like that. But the problem is, when it comes to natural life, we live the opposite. We all like the fact from an idea. We all say, man, okay, God, and we'll, we'll quote that. Well, the Bible says He cares about the inside and not the outside. So it doesn't matter. We like that. But when it comes to living our life, we spend more trying to control the external than we ever do working on the internal. She so can't have it both ways. You can't stand here and say, well, I like the idea that God cares more about the inside than the outside. Amen, preacher, preach it. And then go live your life worrying more about your external circumstances than ever about the internal things going on in you. It doesn't work that way. It can't happen that way. So if we believe that first and foremost, God looks at the heart. God judges the heart. God sees the heart first and foremost. If that's the case, then the path forward for me is not a path of external circumstances. It's a path of internal freedom. That's why we have such problems seeing where we're going because we want to see the future based off external things. Well, you know, when you grow everybody has this, you know, when you grow up, who am I going to marry? What job am I going to have? What's this? What are my kids going to look like? I watch it, my, my middle daughter, she's nine years old. And even though we have three children, we really have four. You didn't know that. Thankfully, my wife didn't carry this one. We bought it at a store. Her name is Charlotte. We call her Shar Shar for short. <laughs> Shar Shar is a baby doll. And if you didn't know better, you would realize and think that Shar Shar is a part of our family. Because everywhere we go, Shar Shar must go with us. And when we go to bed, Sharshar has to go to bed. And when we eat, Sharshar has to eat. And, and this week, we had sickness go through our house. And guess who got sick? Sharshar. Sharshar was sitting on the couch and Noah, who likes to pick on Sharshar and every other person in the house, went over to touch Sharshar and we had an absolute panic because Sharshar was sick and she had to have a nap because she was trying to recover from not sleeping that night. And so Noah couldn't touch Sharshar and Noah's thinking, okay, gotcha, whatever you think. I just need a Baja Blast freeze, whatever you can. It doesn't matter. Take your Sharshar. And so our, my middle daughter, I mean, that's, if you ask her what does she want to be when she grows up, she'll tell you, I want to be a mom. That's what she wants to be. And so, for her, the vision of her life is on what she's going to be externally. And we all grew up sort of with that. You see, you see, we play, we, we want to be this, we want to be that. Because when we're younger, we think that what we're going to be and how we're going to feel about ourselves is really wrapped up in what we become. And it's such a terrible realization when you become what you think you wanted to be and you still feel the same way inside. 
That's a terrible sinking feeling when you look at that person that's laying next to you that you thought because they said I do was going to solve all the problems inside of you and you look at them and you realize they're laying next to you but you still feel the same way you did before. You convince yourself that the way, the reason why, and I, I know there's always, okay, take this within context. I know I can, someone's going to argue me, well, what about this? What about that? I'm sure there's a clause in every contract. But you have people that you're, you're miserable at your job and you're convincing yourself that, that, that this job is the reason why I'm miserable. And I got to get a new job because if I had a new job, I'd feel better about myself. I'd feel better. And boy, you finagle your way. You get that new job. And the first week, it's good, man. You're like, yes! And then about two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. Man, this stinks. Oh, how about this, right? Man, if I could get this car, man, you get that car. Either it's a new car or a new-to-you car. And you get that car. And man... That first couple weeks, it's good. Every person seems like they get some new car vows they will never eat in their car. (laughs) But probably 90% of us, if we looked at our car, we could determine our last six meals just by what's happening to the car. It's amazing. If there's ever a famine, there's always going to be a McDonald's french fry somewhere in somebody's car that will last the apocalypse. We could have a nuclear meltdown. Everything will be melted. But there will be three fries under somebody's seat that will last. So just look under the seat and you will find a way home. And we do these things and we we tie that and we get these things and we realize that's not what it is because we tie what we can see by our future to what we think is the circumstances. And God says, but your future is not in what you will do, but your future is in who you will become in me. What eyes are you seeing through today? This whole back and forth. I mean, Israel, think about this for a second. Let's go back and talk to Israel for a moment. They're in slavery, right? Slavery. Slavery. Whether or not you believe it or not, go read it. There's all kinds of different theories about how bad it really was. But let's be honest, it wasn't great. No matter what your, what, what, whose opinion you read about the severity of slavery, uh, they didn't call it slavery for nothing, Okay? And they were in slavery for 400 years in Egypt. 400 years. That's a lot of generations of slavery. Let's just put into the count, okay? That means that they entered slavery in 1619. Sixteen nineteen. They entered slavery. It's 2019. We've been in slavery for 400 years. That means our fathers, our grandfathers, and our great-grandfathers, and our great-great-great-grandfathers have all dealt with this. And we have a generation of slaves. And then this dude shows up and says, Hey, I want to take you out of here. Now we all get together. And we follow this guy who shows up with this crazy story about talking to God in some burning bush. 
And he shows up and he's got these tricks up his sleeve. And we got blood and we got this happening. We got fish dying. We got locusts. We got boy. We got all kinds of crazy stuff. And then of all that, he tells us, listen, here's what I want you to do. X, Y, Z with this lamb thing. Take the blood. I'm really oversimplifying this. And put the blood here and there and stay in the house. Because this, this death thing. A death what? A death angel. I don't know what it looked like, but this thing is showing up. And if you're not in the house with the blood, your firstborn's done. Okay. And you're in this house and you hear the cries and the wails and the screams coming from the houses, the Egyptians, as one after another. And you're thinking, my goodness, it really is going down. And then you, you, you walk. Can you imagine that? You, we, we get all our stuff together, whatever you can carry, whatever cart you can put it on, whatever animal that you can salvage, and we all go marching free. Free. What an amazing feeling it must have been. 400 years, you're the first generation in 400 years to taste freedom. And you walk out on this journey and you come to the edge of this body of water and you thought, well, there it goes. I guess, oh, I didn't mention, I forgot to tell you this, that the whole time we're walking, we got this pillar in the sky, GPS from God, turn right at this tree. But it's a pillar of fire at night and a cloud by day. And we just follow this path in the sky. I mean, come on, this is crazy cool stuff. And we get to this body of water. And man, we're like, well, what do we do now? And somebody comes running to us. Whoever is a good scout. They pick on you, John. You're always sitting here. Brother John comes running and says, Hey, we got a problem. Um, you know all those dudes that we, uh, they said we could, we could leave. Um, they're coming and they're mad. What do you mean they're coming? Well, there's chariots and horses and uh, they're coming. Um, okay. And then we see that squirrely dude with the tree, the bush story. We see him climb on top this rock, lift his hand up. And all of a sudden we look and the wind starts to blow. And what we look like to be an insurmountable obstacle starts to part. And I love how God operates. He didn't make them walk across in mud. I mean, that would be, you know, think about it. Maybe one thing to say, you know what? It parted, but the journey's going to be tough. You ever try to walk in mud next to water like that? It just has this suction quality. But he made them walk around in ground that was dry like this. I mean, they had aquariums on both sides. I can't imagine what it was like. We're talking about kids. can't imagine if I had to take Noah through that. God help us. Noah, stop touching the fish. Noah, please, son, stay here. If you leave one more time, you're going back to Egypt, and I'm going that way. Done. But they did it. And then you get to the other side, and they come, and you think, well, this is the end. And you watch this. So all this take place. To have all that happen, and to see that, and then you get just... A little farther out, 
and you start complaining and murmuring and you're just absolutely nutty enough to say we had it better back in Egypt. Come on. What? How? And I know there's so much layers to this and I'm making it real simple. Because in my theological brain, I'm kind of going through all the, the, the things. What about this, this, and this? And I know there's a lot of layers to this. So please allow my simplicity this morning. But are you kidding me? How messed up do you have to be in your mentality and in your faith that after seeing all of that, you would say out loud, we had it better back there than we do here. That's somebody that had started seeing this way and had lost the ability to see this way. Because you know what? We don't say it, but sometimes in our spirits we say it and in our minds we say it and God forbid we probably do say it out loud. Boy, it was better before I even came to God than it is now. Really? Really? That's a blind man talking. That's a blind man talking. Because notice, this is what the Bible says. I'm almost done to give you hope. I know I'm deep here for a moment. Isaiah chapter 11 verse 1. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. A branch shall grow out of its roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. This is prophetic. And the Spirit of wisdom and understanding and the Spirit of counsel might. The Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And shall make... Him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes. Neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. I pray today that God would give us new sight and new hearing. New sight and new hearing. You see, because bad thoughts produce bad attitudes. Their thinking was what determined their attitude. And their thinking was based off the visual and not on the heart. We talked a lot about this stuff over and over again. And we talked about a lot of different things in all of this. But the attitude is not the problem. The the attitude is not your problem. Your bad attitude. And we always, that's the problem we've been in. We talk about behavior modification. The problem is, we're not here to change your attitude. Because all we do is modify your attitude. It's not changing it. Your attitude is a byproduct of your thoughts. Your thoughts produce bad attitudes. Your bad thoughts bring bad fruit. And that's bad attitudes. I've, I've seen it. I've, I, and, God, and I, I say this, I don't mean to be critical towards anyone, so please don't take this. I've seen preachers stand behind pulpits and wail on attitude after attitude, but that doesn't change. Oh, you know what that does? It just makes people defensive. Yes, exactly right. That just makes people dig in deeper. Because you know what? It's not the attitude that's the problem. It's what's going on in here that's the problem. And the reason why this is bad is because these things have got you messed up. 
You're looking at the report of what the doctor said, and the doctor says this, and so that determines versus saying what the Word of God says. Go back and look at it. Israel's bad thoughts. Let's just read it for a second. Numbers 20, verse 2. Now there was no water for the congregation. That's what their eyes saw. They didn't see any water. And they assembled together against Moses and Aaron. Verse 2 of Numbers 20. Now notice this. It stated there was no water. That's what they could see. And because of what they could see, their attitude got bad. And the people contended with Moses and said, Would we have died when our brethren died in the plague before the Lord? And why have you brought up this congregation of the Lord into the wilderness? That we should die here, we and our livestock. That right there is the problem. But you know what? They didn't have a problem. They were the problem. You don't have a problem today. You're the problem. Ooh, that doesn't, that doesn't go over well today. I know, and there's not an amen. Don't, don't shout me down. The problem is it's not that we have problems. It's we're the problem because it's our thoughts that determine our attitudes. Can I just, I got, can I, give me a three minutes here. I'll deviate a path. I've taught about this before, but some of you have never heard this before. The fruit of the thought determines its origin. There are three main sources of thoughts in your brain, in your mind. You've got the voice of God. You've got your own voice, your own thoughts, you. And then you have the voice of the adversary. How do I know which one I'm listening to? Very simple. Very, very simple. The fruit of the thought determines its origin. If a thought produces fear, doubt, unbelief, whatever, negative, that thought's not coming from God. If that thought produces peace, joy, happiness, righteousness, fulfillment, that thought ain't coming from the adversary. You ever been somewhere and a thought hits your mind and when it hits your mind, you have total peace and total contentment and you feel total, a total just sense of peace and calm flood over you and you think, was that God talking to me? So you're so brilliant that you can talk your way into peace. And the devil certainly talked, to, talked you into peace. Really? But we talked that. We have that thought. You know, you're going through all this. You're going through, you're going through hell, right? And this thought hits you right in the middle of your hell. And all of a sudden, this faith rises up in you. This sense of, okay, it's going to be all right. But then you stop and go, is that God? Was that God talking to me? No, you're just so brilliant that you can talk your way out of it. And the devil just loves you so much, he wants you to feel better in the midst of your hell. Or, how about this? You're walking along, and all of a sudden, you get this feeling that you're no good, you can't do anything right, you might well quit, and you go, is God trying to tell me something? Yes, because God's always just into coming up and just kicking you for no reason. Fruit of the thought determines its origin. But a lot of times with us, the fruit of our thoughts come from bad thinking. What eyes are we looking through today? Some of you are facing things. We're all, and to a degree, we're all facing things today. I haven't come to some kind of profound word today. 
And when you really peel back the layer, this is extremely simple. Why do you think the Bible says, eye hath not seen? Ear has not heard. Those are the external. Ready? It hasn't even entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love it. But it's been revealed to them by His Spirit. I think it was last week. It all runs together. Talked about the fact that they did studies that when you're praying in the Spirit, you bypass your mind. God loves you so much, He gave you a path around your bad thinking. God gave you the ability, even when you're in the midst of thinking bad, to walk through that. Some of you will change your world today simply by allowing God to open your eyes and change your thinking. Can I tell this today? I wrote this down. I'm going to read it because I want to make sure I get it correctly the way the Lord gave it to me. We cannot judge things accurately by sight of our natural eyes. We must have spiritual eyes, eyes to see, spiritual ears, ears to hear, so we can hear what the Spirit says, not what the world says. Let God speak to you about your future, not everyone else. And I say today boldly, your future is not determined by your past or your present. So many of us have such a hard time going forward in God because we only see ourselves. I don't know. This is the problem with life, right? Here's the problem. I'm going to sit down and have a talk. How are you doing? Good to see you. Y'all just good listeners. I'm just going to sit down. Here's the problem. I can only judge my life by where I've been. Do you have plans for tomorrow? Work, right? We think. But you don't know what's going to happen between now and then. I, I got two meetings tomorrow. I got this going on. I know where I th- think I'm going to be. But I've had a lot of days I thought I knew where I was going to be and something happens. So it's very hard naturally to, to judge because f- the future is kind of, it feels like a roll of the dice in a lot of ways. I mean, everybody thinks they're in control until the doctor tells you you're not. Everybody thinks you're in control until that car pulls out in front of you. Everybody thinks you're the one in charge until you get there in the morning and the boss says, we've had a little bit of an issue with the budget and unfortunately you're one of the cuts we have to make. Every one of us thinks we're in control. And so because of that, the only choice we have is we determine everything. Well, you know what? I mean, I heard this before. Well, my dad was this, so I'm going to be that. My mom was this, so I'm going to be that. I come from a long line of alcoholics. I come from a long line of broken marriages. I come from a long line of this. I come from a long line. Man, I look at my family tree sometimes. I know we look good from the standpoint... Thank God for His grace. But I started looking through. My, my grandmother turned 90 yesterday. God bless her. 
Nine years old. And so we got her to talk yesterday about some of the things of her past. Come to find out, we were chatting a little bit, that her grandfather was Choctaw. It's in my blood somewhere. I'm like one. Because her, 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 uh, her dad was Choctaw and her aunt was, was some kind of Choctaw princess thing. I don't know what the whole thing was. We was talking about that and I look at that and I could say, well, you know, cause my great grandfather was Choctaw. You'll see me next week with a mohawk. You see me with axe. It's in my blood. I come with more paint on next week. Don't worry. It's okay. Don't panic. It's in my blood. Yeah, you don't want to see that. <laughs> hey, that's what it was today. My hair is really long, and so it just kind of falls. But now I know if it goes really, I'm just getting that inner. If I start worshiping like this, hey, 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 start doing a rain dance on that, hey, 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 it's in my blood, right? All right. If that's the case, if we start peeling back the layers, folks, and looking under the engine of our family tree, we're going to get real squirrely fast. So if that's the case, we all don't have a hope. But when we get washed in the blood and baptized in the name, when that name gets applied, I don't have a family tree. He becomes the family tree because the Bible says that we are grafted into his tree. And therefore, if that's the case, I don't have to view from what my family says I will become. I am viewed because of who my heavenly father is. And my heavenly father overcame death, hell, and the grave. My heavenly father is perfect. My heavenly father is love. My heavenly father is peace. My heavenly father is grace and mercy and long suffering. So if you want to know my future, just look at my daddy. If you want to know what I'm going to look like, look at my dad. If you want to know what my future is like, look at my dad. If you want to know where I'm going, look at my dad. If you want to know what I'm going to become, look at my dad. Not my earthly father, but my natural father, my, my, my heavenly father, who when I got in that blood, the the pain and the hurt and the, 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 the generational stuff that was in my family tree was cut off in that water. If we don't believe that, we need to go home. But the power of the name of Jesus. I feel some faith rising in this place. You've listened to the devil say too many times. I'm not just talking about visitors. I'm talking about some of you that live for God for 20 years. You've been listening to the wrong voice. But it's time for you to say finally, I've got a heavenly father. I heard a story. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Just hang with me two seconds. There was a man who used to come here and preach a lot, a lot of Years ago, many times, great man, I love him very much, Brother Franklin Howard, tells a story that when he was a little kid, his dad came home one night in a drunken rage and beat him and his mom. And when he beat him and his mom, he broke his finger. That finger healed, but it was always crooked. 
So every time he would look, raise his hands, lift his hands to God, he'd see that broken finger. Every time he would do anything, he would look and see that broken finger. That broken finger would remind him who his dad was. This was years. I'm not talking about... He, he, was a, he had been a missionary. He had done all this stuff. He had been... This wasn't just something that happened the, the moment he got saved. He had been years into this. And one day, I can't remember what... what I can't remember the full story, so if I, if I don't get it accurate, accurate, please forgive me. But there was something he was going through in, in his life. It was a trial, circumstance, a struggle. And in that, he kind of pointed his finger up at God and looked up at God about, you know, why are you doing this? What, what, you know, I can't. And every time he would go to pray, he could never go, he could never say father. It was just, it was broke because of this broken finger was just staring right back at him. And one day in this just moment of hurt and moment of pain is he's kind of looking at all this stuff that he's dealing with and he kind of just looks up at God and kind of, and he looked at the finger and said, see God, look at this. Look, 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 how can I ever? But it's in that moment, that gentle, beautiful Love of Christ reached down into him and said, your earthly father may have done that, but you now have a heavenly father. And it was in that moment that he finally, his eyes were open. Spirit of revelation hit him and opened. And he got to see for the first time that he had a heavenly father. And now he tells a story that now when he lifts up and looks at that hand, instead of reminding him of what he doesn't have, it reminds him of who he does have. That now the pain and the hurt of all the failures you've had and all the abuse you've been through and all the things that you're having, you're natu- I don't know why I'm on this, but I'm on it now and it's strong. So it's okay. It may be just for somebody in here that you're wrestling with it. But you are. You, there's going to come a point, I'm telling this in the Holy Ghost, there's going to come a point in time where instead of running from the memories, you're going to embrace them because instead of them reminding you of what you experienced and the hurt you had, they're going to remind you of the Heavenly Father that you've got and how much that He loves you. Am I right, Sister Owens? Am I right? 40 years. 40 years of not knowing, of living an entire life not knowing whether Dad's like and living that memory. But now, instead of looking at it as pain, she looks at it and realizes, I never had an earthly father, but this whole time, I've had a heavenly father that's never left me, that's always been there for me, that's walked through every mountain and every valley with me, because I'm now looking, not with these eyes, I'm looking with this eye in here. Would you stand? I wonder if there's somebody in here today. I don't, I, I know it's late. I know we're getting close to the, to the time, but God doesn't have to take all day. He can do a quick work. I wonder if there's somebody in here today that you need to experience your heavenly father for the first time today. You need to finally stop looking at yourself with the natural eye and let God today open up your spiritual eye. And when you would just lift your hand right where you are and say, God, by your grace today, open my eyes today. Open my eyes. Come on, talk to Jesus for a moment. Just wait where you are. Just lift your hands. If God has been speaking to you, if the Holy Ghost has been talking to you, would you lift your hands to heaven right now? And would you just ask Jesus? Would you just say, Jesus, show me today. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would open our eyes, 
that you would open our eyes. I pray today that there'd be a spirit of revelation that would move in this place, that you would open our eyes in this place today, that we would not see through the natural eyes of hurt, pain, disappointment, abuse, misuse, but God, today you would open our eyes that we could see who you are, that we have a heavenly Father. Would you just reach over just for a moment next to somebody and just put your hand on them or take them by the hand and put your hand on their shoulder and let's just take a moment in this place. The Holy Ghost is here. Come on. I know a lot of you have got to go. I get that. But just for a moment, there's something God's wanting to do in this moment right now that God is trying to help somebody see that it doesn't have to be this way. Yes, your father may have been this. Yes, your mother may have been this. Yes, you may have been that. But you've got a heavenly Father. Open the eyes of a heart today. Open the eyes of a heart today. Oh, I bind every lie of the adversary. I bind every lie of the adversary. I bind every accusing spirit. I bind every lying spirit. I lying thought. We send it back to the pit from where it came. We lose faith into the mind of every believer in this place today. We let faith operate. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, help us to get our eyes off of Egypt and get our eyes on the promised land. Help us to get our eyes off the fact that we don't have any water, but to know that you are the living water. Oh, Jesus. Oh, if we don't have bread today, you said you'd be the bread of life. If we don't have water, you're the living water. If you've, we've got pain, you're the healer. If we're bound, you're the deliverer. Oh, Jesus, today, open our eyes. Bring recovering of sight to the blind in this place today. Come on, just another few moments. Just another few moments. I feel there's a there's faith that is moving in this place. I feel faith moving in this place. Come on, it's not emotion. You're not going to feel it, but you can sense it in your spirit. Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, hasn't it even entered in the heart of man the things that God has prepared, but it's revealed by the Spirit. Today, Jesus. Today. My future is not determined by my past or my present, but my future is determined by who He is. My future is determined by what I am in Christ. I'm a new creature. Old things passed away. Behold, all things are made new. Oh! You're not your father's child. You're not your father's son. You're not your father's daughter. You belong to Jesus! You're not your mother's child. You're not your father's child. You're not your mother's son. You're not your mother's daughter. You belong to Jesus. You say, well, that's easy to say. No, that's faith talking. Naturally, that makes no sense. But when we see through the eyes of faith, we see our heavenly father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.